Amen. Morning, church family. It's good to see you this new year, um, and I genuinely mean that. Um, you could have started the year anywhere else, and I know for some of you this is just routine, and you knew you were coming to 2915 Townway, um, but you have free will, and you've chosen to be here. Um, so thank you for that. Um, I'm going to give just a few moments uh, for us to be silent before the Lord um, just to consider some things maybe that are weighing heavily on your heart and mind. Um, if you need to intercede for somebody or someone that is weighing heavy on your heart, do that. If you haven't had any moment to yourself to just be, let's give a few moments for you to be. Um, or if you're listening to the Lord and want God to speak something specifically, let's do that. So we're going to give just a few moments for you to spend some time with Jesus. I'll pray and then we'll get into what the Lord's placed on my heart. Jesus, thank you for who you are and for all that you've done. Uh, thank you that you are still in the business of transforming lives, that the lost are found, uh, the captives are set free. Um, and uh, we just pray, God, um, that you would have full rule and reign here in this place. Um, I know we all come in here carrying all sorts of things, uh, joy, grief, um, and all the like in between. And I just pray, God, that in these moments uh, that you, through your Holy Spirit, would minister to each and every soul here, that we would be open to what you ultimately have for us. Uh, this time, this space is yours. Do with it as you please. We pray these things in your sweet and precious name. Amen. So when Jordan gave me the prompt of opening up your journal to be transparent, I'm not a journaling guy. Um, so I, instead of just like freaking out and trying to like pull up a good moleskin that had like all sorts of like fake notes in it and for me to seem like I'm the journaling type, I'm not. So what I did instead was I ventured to seek the face of God on our behalf for this morning uh, and to just seek what the Lord might want to speak to us us as a church family. Um, and I came to a singular word, but it was as I was reading through in my personal study through the gospel of Luke, as I was reading through the word faith showed up a whole lot. And every single time I read it, for some reason, God pierced my heart over that one word faith. And in particular, in Luke chapter 8, Jesus is in the boat. He's taken a nap. The disciples are freaking out. 
because the winds and the waves are crashing on the boat and they're like, Jesus, like we're gonna die. And then the passage says, then Jesus got up, rebuked the wind and the raging waves, so they ceased. And there was a calm. And Jesus said to them, where is your faith? And as I read that, I felt the weight of the Spirit ask me, where's my faith? What have I placed my faith in? And I would love to be able to have this face mic and to tell you with the utmost certainty that I would look at my life and say, yeah, I have 100% faith in Jesus. But in that moment, I felt the weight of conviction that I have built some parts of my life not solely on Jesus. Where is your faith? Before we move forward, let's have a clear definition of what faith is, um, and then we'll get into some scripture. So faith in simple, simple terms, excuse me, is the conviction of truth. Or according to Hebrews chapter 11, it's the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what isn't seen. And that faith for us is not just rooted in a movement or a moment, but it's based in a person. And it's the person of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And faith is not also solely an intellectual assent unto that conviction of reality. It's a holistic faith, meaning that what you genuinely have faith in will be revealed in your words, your thoughts, your actions, your weekly schedule, social media engagement, and how you treat others. Or as Martin Luther said, the true living faith, which the Holy Spirit instills into the heart, simply cannot be be idle. Faith is not just a set of beliefs. It is holistically what we base our lives on, both word and deed. Faith and works. Conviction that springs to action. Faith that has feet. So where is our faith? If you don't mind, can you open the scriptures to Luke chapter 8? We're going to start in verse 40. We're going to camp out in this one passage, and we're going to look at the story of one individual who exemplified faith. So Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 40. When Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Just then, a man named Jairus came. He was a leader of the synagogue. He fell face down at Jesus' feet and pleaded with him to come to his house because he had an only daughter about 12 years old, and she was dying. While he was going, the crowds were nearly crushing him. A woman suffering from bleeding for 12 years who had spent all she had on doctors and yet could not be healed by any approached from behind and touched the end of his robe. Instantly, her bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds are hemming you in and pressing against you. Someone did touch me, said Jesus. I know that power has gone out from me. When the woman saw that she was discovered, she came trembling and fell down before him. In the presence of all the people, she declared the reason she had touched him and how she was instantly healed. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has saved you. 
go in peace. And so we're going to look at this story as a framework for what faith is. Once again, not faith in like the ideas about our Christian faith, but based in the person of Jesus, who he is, what he said, what he ultimately did, and what his ministry still is for us today. So we're going to look at five observations of faith quickly, and then we'll get to some practical things. First, faith is patient. She had been bleeding for 12 years. 12 long years. For 12 years, she was deemed unclean by priests, prohibiting her from entering the temple. For 12 years, she had to, time and time again, disclose her condition to others who would get close to her, but most likely would heap shame upon shame after they found out about her condition, making her feeling unworthy of anybody getting close to her, both physically and relationally. For 12 years, she sought help from doctors to fix her condition to no avail. And her bank account over 12 years was completely destroyed. For 12 years, this woman suffered. And I just want to make this point before we move forward. Like when we read scripture, it's easy for us to just see this as some intellectual exercise or like these are like imaginary people. Like this is a very real woman. Someone flesh and blood just like you and me. For 12 years, enduring, and nobody could give her an answer. Like, this is a real woman, and she had a very real condition. And in our own lives, how quickly are we, when hard times come, for us to give up and lose our own faith? Hypothetically, sometimes we might want to pray for God to do something, like we want God's hand to move in a particular area, and when our prayers aren't answered in like a day or a week, how quick are we to throw in the towel? Because I've heard story after story of people, and you probably know some too, who have been seeking for God to do something that they want in their way and in their timing. And when God's plans don't conform to theirs, they completely turn their backs on Jesus, reject him, and completely shipwreck and leave their faith. Faith is patient. Faith means that we continue to pray, we continue to seek, we continue to ask, we continue to knock. And we do so because the one we have faith in, we are trusting in his timing and his ways because his are better than ours. And as scripture says that God is working all things out for our good and his glory, even in the waiting. Second, faith is for the desperate. She had spent everything she had her bank account read a whole bunch of zeros. And she was in this huge crowd and all she wanted to do was to just get to Jesus. 
She didn't need to get to Jesus to get some magical incantation or to like have a casual conversation. She was so desperate. All she wanted to do was just to touch the end of his robe. Faith is desperate because she wouldn't just seek a touch from his robe, from a posture or a place of abundance. If she had everything, she could have used some of those resources elsewhere, but she was empty, desperate for what Jesus had. Because you know at this point in the context doesn't explicitly say it, but this woman knew something about Jesus. Like she didn't think of Jesus as just a good guy that could teach an occasionally nice message. She knew that there was power within this man. And even if it meant that she would just touch a little bit of his cotton-soaked robe, that's all she needed. That's all she wanted. She was desperate for a touch from Jesus. Because it's easy to like lay on our own laurels when we have an abundance But for those of us that claim the name of Jesus, faith is for the desperate, coming to the end of yourself, recognizing that the kingdom that we could build for ourselves here on this earth apart from Jesus is meaningless and that foundation will over time crumble. But faith in Jesus is coming to the end of yourself and coming full faith to Jesus and rejecting the cultural idea that we can have a smorgasbord approach to faith and spirituality. Because it's around us. The world is approaching spirituality and faith like a smorgasbord. A little bit of Buddhist mindfulness here, a sprinkle of some wisdom nuggets from someone's favorite podcast, a dash of dabbling in some new age practices, add some vague code of morality, and finally top it off with a live your truth mode of operation, and you get a smorgasbord of faith that our world is clinging to. Clinging to whatever little nugget of truth, whatever feels good. But for us as followers of Jesus, we can't expect the world, like what Rhonda so beautifully said, and I hope that you let those words sink deep into your heart, because the world around us is not going to come to faith in Jesus if we have a smorgasbord approach to faith, because we want to be comfortable and we want what scratches our itching ears. We come full surrender to Jesus and Jesus alone. We come in full faith of who he is and what he has come to do. And we get to the end of ourselves desperate for him and for him alone. And that's when the world will see the hope that we have in him. It won't be faith in Jesus and this or Jesus and that. We come full force into Jesus when we get to the end of ourselves and we are desperate for him. Third thing, faith is risky. Let's consider some of the risks that this woman took in touching Jesus' robe. Because of her condition, as we already mentioned, she was declared unclean, meaning that she risked making Jesus unclean according to the law. Even upon being discovered as the one who touched Jesus and having confessed, as verse 47 says, she confessed the reason she touched him. She risked whatever Jesus was going to do or say to her if he found out her condition And the priests and the Pharisees would have also potentially done something to her if they found out her condition and she was in the midst of the crowd trying to get to Jesus, which meant all the other people she's bumping shoulders with were by the law unclean. She risked 
so much. She risked all of her financial security in in all the doctors, so she's already made risks in the past, but she also, before all of that, as she was considering who she would go to now, considering going to Jesus, she even risked going to Jesus, touching his robe, and she risked possibly not getting healed. She risked the idea of going all in on Jesus and looking at the edge of his robe, and she risked touching it and not being healed. But faith takes risk. Because in that moment, and I think it's Jesus recognized, she wasn't placing her faith in anything else. She was desperate for Jesus and Jesus alone. The doctors had failed her. Friends, family had failed her. And she recognized in her desperation that she needed to take a risk, no matter the cost, to just touch his robe. And church family, are we prepared to take a risk on Jesus? To go full in, full faith in Jesus? Risking what the world might throw at us? Because it will. Gospel of Matthew says that all men will hate you because of me. Meaning for us as followers of Jesus, the world does not like that we choose faithfulness solely in the way of Jesus. We will experience pushback. We'll experience heartache. We'll experience potential loss of friendships. But in the risk, as we reach our hand out, as we continue with full gaze on Jesus, as we take that risk to him, we know that he is a sure rock and a sure foundation. And that risk we take in him is not met with question, but is met with an assurance that he is there every single time. Fourth thing, faith changes everything. Her entire life changed in a moment. That moment when she came to the end of herself, risked everything, was desperate for Jesus. When she was patiently waiting over those 12 years, imagining what this moment was like, it changed everything for her. The years of suffering, the years of hardship and shame, the years of others knowing her condition, the countless doctors who told her there's nothing they could do, the risk of reaching out her hand. In this singular event, her life was forever changed. Yes, she was healed. But let's go back to the text in verse 48 because she received something else beyond physical healing. Jesus, as he looks upon this woman in verse 48, says, daughter. She, now long, she no longer has an identification that is based on her condition, but her identity is now based in being a daughter. No longer marked by her past, but now is identified by her forever present and future. That daughter, your faith has saved you. 
when you take a risk on faith in Jesus, you receive a new identity. The old is gone, the new has come. Son, daughter, you're part of the family of God when you take a risk on faith in Jesus. When you go all in, you are brand new. And this woman, this daughter, woman who probably was told she was unworthy, this woman who has experienced shame upon shame, now has a valuable place in the family of God. And it was her faith that saved her. That word save in the Greek is the word sozo. And it can be used both to describe physical healing and it can be used to describe spiritual salvation. And in this particular instance, I don't think it's a one or the other. I think it's both. I think, yes, she experienced physical healing and physical deliverance from her physical condition. But I also believe simultaneously that she was brand new and was saved spiritually. And once again, please don't hear this like name it and claim it, blab it and grab it or whatever you've heard that like if you come to faith in Jesus, all of your problems are gonna be fixed and you're gonna be healed and all the like fuzziness. Please don't hear that. I am not saying if you come to Jesus, you're instantly gonna be physically healed. But what I am saying is that Jesus is a healer. What I am saying is that Jesus is our savior. And God has plans for each and every one of us and healing's gonna look different. That process is gonna be vastly different. But as we risk and jump full force into Jesus, we aren't met with opposition, we're met with wide open arms. And later on in Luke chapter 17, we see this word faith show up again. Uh, the disciples are asking Jesus the question, or not asking, but asking, well, yeah, I guess they're asking, asking Jesus to increase their faith. And then Jesus responds with this in Luke 17, 6. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can t say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. You don't need a grandiose faith. You just need faith the size of a mustard seed. I probably should have went to the store to like show you what a mustard seed looked like, but just imagine, it would probably be about this size. A mustard seed isn't like big, tiny little seed that makes a really big tree. So don't think in this space that you need faith this big for your life to change. You need faith this big simply come before him, trusting him. His faith the size of a mustard seed is all it takes. And that sounds like a really good place to stop and have some kind of a call, but one last point that we need to make, number five, faith is a lot of ordinary daily surrender. It's easy to go to the conference, to have your faith stirred up, get the fuzzy feelings, and then go home and just go about your own merry way. And for this woman here, she had to daily choose surrender to Jesus. With her newfound identity and her faith in Jesus, she couldn't just stay here. 
We don't know explicitly through scripture what happened with this woman, but we do know she had to choose daily to surrender to her newfound faith in Jesus. She had to eventually go home. She eventually had to go to the market, pick up groceries, eventually had to pay her taxes. She had to prove herself clean to the temple priest. She had to have conversation with, after conversation with the many people who knew her. She had to live the rest of her life. And we must reject the notion that we only have faith in Jesus because of the big moments and that's good enough. We must choose faithfully to choose faith in Jesus every single day in the mundaneness and ordinariness of life. In the supermarket, in the ER, at work, at home, when you're at soccer practice, when you're in the car on the way home or wherever, we choose faith in Jesus day by day and moment by moment. We cannot and should not live by faith in Jesus only on one day a week or only when it's convenient or we have the fuzzy feelings. We must daily surrender in faith to Jesus. We trust in him with all of our heart and lean not on our own understanding. In full faith and in full surrender, today, every day, every moment, we choose surrender to Jesus. Why? Because he's worth it. Because he's worth it. He will never leave you or forsake you. He is with you. He knows you. And he longingly is looking for you. Not for the fake, like, quote, unquote, holy version of you. Because this woman didn't get clean before she chose to come to Jesus. I don't know if you've heard that from people before that say like, oh, I need to clean up my life before I come to church or I need to clean up my life before I come to Jesus. She came in the mess of her life that she was in, in the midst of her condition, in the midst of her life. And she came full force to Jesus, not being clean. But who did the cleaning? Jesus and Jesus alone. And so I don't know where you are personally at in your walk with Jesus. Maybe you're better than I am and you look back at your past year and you lived in full faith in Jesus. And if that's you, I wanna grab coffee with you and talk about that. That would be awesome. But maybe you're coming into this space and maybe as you reflected on 2023 and looking forward to 2024, Maybe you've had some of those like deep conversations within your own soul of what you have placed your faith in. You've made your resolutions and that's all great and dandy and please keep those, that's good. It's good to have discipline in your life. But maybe you've come into this place and you just don't know. Maybe you've come into this place and as I've been talking and as the Spirit's been speaking, maybe the Lord has drawn to heart or mind maybe something you've placed your faith in that's not Jesus. Which once again, just to set everything straight, if that's you and you haven't placed your full faith in Jesus, you're in good company. I'm not gonna make you awkwardly do it, but if you look around the room, we are all imperfect people. We are all on a journey. 
but my heart and prayer is that that journey would lead you to faith in Jesus. In the good times, the bad, that he's worth it. As he has showed up time and time again, the same Jesus that rose from the grave is the same Jesus that is available to us today. We don't need to have all the answers. We just need to come to him in full faith. So this is what we're going to do. Uh, let's, we're going to spend some time in prayer. I know, surprise, surprise, but a moment with Jesus is way better than any moment of listening to me preach. In the next few moments of silence, I would love for you before, before your God, before our Heavenly Father, to confess some things before God that you've placed your faith in over Jesus. Whether that be your own successes or your own abilities, Maybe you've placed your faith in another person or a friendship or a relationship. Maybe you've placed your faith in comfort. Maybe in your paycheck or your status at work. Or fill in the blank. So later in Luke, in Luke chapter 15, we stumble on a story called the prodigal son. And though the word faith doesn't show up in the story, the story is pretty instructive for this moment as we come before Jesus. First thing, the son was broken. He had squandered all of his possessions. By the world's definition, wasn't worthy to even go back to his father's home. And second and most importantly, that father, when the son started walking home, the father ran to his son. He saw his son was a while ways off, and after he saw him, he was filled with compassion. With compassion. He ran, threw his arms around his neck, and kissed him. Your heavenly father is running after you with compassion. The word compassion means to suffer alongside that in your heartache, in your brokenness, in whatever you're walking through, Jesus is feeling that with you. He knows. And he longs for you to run to him. And so for the next few moments, I would love for you in prayer before you and God to confess some of those things that maybe you've placed your faith in.
if you're still praying, please continue to, to pray. But for those of you that maybe your time is wrapped up, um, I want to end with some time to put some feet to our faith. Because like we said, faith is not just an intellectual exercise. It's something that we think, but then we do. And so I want to give a few scenarios and then some action steps. If you're in this room and maybe you need to resurrender your life fully to Jesus, you've been living for self, prestige, comfort, fill in the blank. And maybe you, like Peter, when he was walking on the water, maybe you took your eyes off Jesus for a season. You looked at your circumstances, the things around you, you trusted in your own ability, and you feel like you're drowning. If that's you, the same Jesus who reached his hand out to Peter is reaching out to you. So if that's you in these moments, I would encourage you to continue to pray to Jesus and resurrender your life to him. Declare your faith in him. Maybe there's some of you in this room that you feel a pull deep in your heart to, for the first time ever, choose to place your faith in Jesus for the first time. Maybe you've been coming to church for a really, really long time. And you've sat through some pretty decent sermons and listened to worship music, and that's great. But maybe you're today coming into this place and you realize that the emptiness of the world is still there and you've tried tasting and seeing that and it's just not good. And you're like, I need something. And you today want to make that decision to fully surrender to Jesus. Today is that day. Because of what Jesus did on the cross by shedding his blood to forgive us of our sins and then raising again three days later so that we could have life and life to the full, not just when we die, but here and now. That through the empty grave, we can have Zoe life, abundant life here and now. Not devoid of hardship, but in the midst of the hardship, having purpose and contentment and joy. And that is yours today. So maybe you feel that pull for the first time to surrender your life to Jesus. And if that's you, I would encourage you to take some time to pray right now before your heavenly father. Ask God to forgive you of your sins, to wash you clean, and to declare your surrender fully to him. And if that's you, and if you decide to pray that prayer, I would encourage you to share that with somebody whether it's someone that you came with or somebody else across the aisle way that looks friendly, or if you don't want to share with anybody else and you're like, oh, maybe this guy in a pink shirt would love to hear it, I would. But if you are choosing full faith surrender in Jesus today, I would love for you to tell somebody about it. Or third thing, maybe you feel like your faith in Jesus is hanging on by a gosh darn thread. Maybe you're coming into this place and this was your last ditch effort for Jesus. And if that's you, I want to encourage you, this is a safe place. And if you're at the end of your rope, there is no better place to be than in God's house this morning. And I can say this with certainty that you're not alone. If you feel at the end of your rope, you're seen you are loved by Jesus. And so if that's you, once again, to put your feet to faith, if you feel like you're hanging on by a thread and you don't know where to turn, maybe you feel like you've been drowning for far too long 
and you're ready to return to Jesus to experience healing and wholeness again. If that's you, I would encourage you, come forward. We have people here that would love to pray with you and for you. Uh, Whether that's sitting in the front rows, which are always empty, and your place there would be great. But as a way of putting your feet or your faith to action, we would love for you to come forward and pray. And we have people that are ready that will pray with you and for you. Please don't let this moment pass by. If God's pulling at your heart and you're at the end of your rope, please come forward. We would love to pray with you. We would love to be with you and to be the gosh darn church. Scripture says if one part of our body is hurting, the rest is hurting. And if you are hurting, this is the best place to be. Because the same Jesus that healed this woman is the same Jesus that is longing to heal your heart. So I'm going to pray. And then the last song is going to be playing back here. If you need to do business with Jesus, do that, please. Please go before Jesus. So I'm going to pray as the last song is going. Do what you need to do. The front's open. And we long and desire for Jesus to meet with you. So let's pray, God. The space, once again, is yours. Thank you, God, that you are a God that is worth putting our whole lives and our whole faith in. And God, I just pray against a spirit of a timid spirit, God. I pray against that here in this place. I pray against the enemy and the work that he wants to do in this place to heap shame and guilt and condemnation. But Jesus, you came not to condemn us, but to save us. And so we pray here in this place that we pray against the work of the enemy and that your kingdom would come here in this room as it is in heaven. God, would you give us boldness and courage to seek you, to come before your throne as we are, and that you would meet us. We're desperate for you. We need you every moment of every hour. And as we continue to lean into what you have for us in this place, the floor is yours. Would we be bold to put feet to our faith? And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Insert seeds. That's all it takes. my prayer for you is that you would have faith the size of a mustard seed and that daily surrender to Jesus even if it's just this much faith enough faith to take one more step and then through that we would see mountains move through that amount of faith we would see the hand of Jesus move in our workplaces in our community in our nation globally, that the kingdom of God would come here on earth as it is in heaven. Know that you are loved. You have a heavenly father that loves you more than you can imagine. And may we go from this place in that identity as the beloved of God. My hope and prayer is you have a great week.